0: Well, hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Master the NEC. We're talking about the National Electrical Code, all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always. Welcome to our podcast, and I want to thank all of you out there for the great emails and Uh, The messages you send from our websites and text messages that I get uh, about how many of you have passed your exam or engineering exams and how we've helped you do that. You know what? It means the world to me. That's what I'm here for. That's why I do these free podcasts and videos, to help you further your career, and get a better understanding of the National Electrical Code. And of course, we talk other times about electrical-related topics, business topics, promotion, marketing, just any old thing about electrical industry. But really, our focus is to help you understand the National Electrical Code just a little bit better, and that's what we do here at Electrical Code Academy. Now, today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about exam prep and what you can do to prepare yourself for an exam. It really doesn't matter what state you're in. Uh, the only difference to that is you might be in some states that have some kind of addendum to their testing, which is for the law portion or administrative portion, which are required by your state, the laws, like licensing laws and the amount of work that you can do based on the price. that stuff we don't focus on. You need. You usually will get that from your state and it's kind of a booklet and and you can go over that type of stuff, and it's usually open book anyway. but. What we do is we focus on the National electoral Code. That's the key component that all of these exams are based on. Uh, now, if PSI, which is a administrative testing association or a company, I should say, for-profit company, not really an association, and what they do is they work with states in order to create the exams, and they work closely with your state testing authority to help it. We usually have experts that'll sit on panels to help write these exam questions, so PSI really doesn't write them, but they work with your local state now, first things first, before I kind of tell you how to prepare this, you should be doing your due diligence. The first thing that you should always do if you're starting to think about your exam is you have to procure your code books, your, your, your in, in highlighters and, and everything like that that you're going to do in order to get started in these type of programs. Uh, but you don't need to run out and buy $1,000 worth of books. I mean, really, you don't okay? Um, You really just need, there's a lot of free material, and I'm going to show you, kind of talk about that here. Now, also down in the comments area, which I don't actually allow comments for my videos because I have haters everywhere, and we're really only interested in those that really want to learn. Down in the area where I give you some of the description, we'll have some links uh, to the uh, actual um, online knowledge base question type of websites that can help you hone your skills. And that'll usually be when this makes it not probably from Spreaker or Spotify, but you actually go over. That's why I put all of these podcasts also on our YouTube channel so that you can actually go through and look at the area underneath it that has kind of the description and we'll put things in there for you to be able to go to these areas to help you prepare for an exam. So let's kind of walk through it a little bit. But, but the first thing you need to always do is go to your state or go to PSI, if that's your testing agency in your state, and download their testing guide. That testing guide will tell you what you can and can't do to that code book. Okay, It's going to tell you what type of calculator you can take into your exam, things like that. Uh, make sure you look at it and read it. They'll have what you can have and what you can't have, what you can do, what you can't do. Um, and if you're like, say, Texas or Virginia... PSI works with that state association, and what they've done is, for example, you can write in your code book. I know this for a fact because I've tested in both states and I wrote in my code book. Um, and I have a, some images of what I actually have in the front of my code books um, that you can get for free if you go to our Facebook page and then you click on the uh, the, the closed group, which is Master the NEC Exam Prep Group. Uh, make sure you answer all the questions because if you don't answer the questions to get in the group, then I won't uh, permit you to be in the group. Okay, You have to be there because you're studying for an exam or you're trying to learn for an exam or something like that. An engineer who's studying for an, uh, the engineering PE or uh, EIT or whatever it is. So assuming you get in there look for those images. I have posted images of what I do in the front of my book when I teach students, or basically it was exactly what I have in the front of my book when I took my exams. Okay, um, and, uh, But you do have to check with the state you're in to make sure that you can write in your code book. So uh, don't assume that you can write it in. You need to check. And that's the first thing you should do is get your exam guide um, for your specific state. And you can, again, you can get that from PSI or you can go straight to your state and I usually have the guide for exam, uh, that application. Okay, so assuming you did that and you know that you can either mark in your code book or not, there's certain formulas that you want to write down uh, in your code book first. So we'll, we'll talk about the formulas first. Um, that would be, for example, the, the if you're trying to solve for voltage drop 2KID, uh, and then divided by either VD or circular mill, depending on what you're what you're looking for. Um, uh, so, it, really, it's dependent on if you're trying to solve for VD or CM divided by two KID. Whatever you're doing, um, there's formulas. Now we have video, videos and podcasts that have the different formulas, voltage drop formulas. Um, you need to understand the basic concepts of electrician's math, right? Uh, you need to know how to deal with whole numbers, decimals, fractions, and percentages. Now, that's the basic core. You don't have to get heavily into algebraic terms. Uh, that's your basic formulas that you need to be aware of. Okay, You know how, to, for example, take a fraction and convert the fraction into a decimal. So if it's one-sixth, then it would be you know one over six. Then it's simply take one and divide it by six, and that's going to be 0.166, one, one, six, six, for example. If it's two-fifths, then it's simply two divided by five, as it's .40, okay? If it's three-sixths, three then it's gonna be three divided by six. So just understand you're dividing the, the top into the bottom, okay? It's a pretty simple concept. Um, you just take the numerator, which is the top, and, and you do it by the denominator, which is the bottom number, okay? Pretty simple, but you need to understand it. Uh, the other thing is, Converting percentages. So how do I convert 32 and a half percent, or 32.5, to a decimal? Well, it's pretty simple. You go from the decimal point, point, you move two spaces to the left, okay? Then it ends up being .325. So just understand those basics, because those are the kind of low-hanging fruit that might be on your exam calculation application, right? So 80%, you need to understand that you take the 80%, you start from the right side of the zero and you move it two spaces to the left, it's .80. That is your, the actual number that you're gonna use in the calculations so you don't have to deal with the percentage, okay? So that's kinda of move it two places to the left, okay? Always move two places to the left for that, all right? If it's 250%, same example here. You start at the right side of the zero, you move it two places to the left, 2.50 is the numeric equation to the percentage. And you need that to convert for exam. We do that all the time when we're doing continuous load. We know that it's a, a 125% is the uh, reciprocal of 80%. Um, so we just have to, to know the, the equations that we're dealing with. Uh, the other thing is understand how to do what's called a percentage increase uh, for an exam, okay? If I have, for example, um, 8KW and I want to increase it by 15%, well, if I'm increasing it by 15%, what is 15%? I have to convert that, so it's .15, why? Because I moved it two decimal places to the left, .15. Now, I do one plus, one being the actual numerator, 100%, one plus .15, that means it's 1.15. So, I take the 8kw times 1.15, That's 9.20kw, that is an increase of 15%. Just make sure you understand those basic concepts, Right? It's pretty simple. Um, understand reciprocals. Now, yeah, that is when you convert the number to a decimal value. You know, divide the value into the number one. Pretty simple concept here. So, what is the reciprocal of 80%? Well, then the value is convert 80% into a decimal. Okay, so move the decimal places, uh, two places to the left. So, that means you move it, again, 80%, two places to the left. It's 080 then you divide 0.80 into the number 1. So it's 1 divided into 0.80 equals 1.25 or 125% because you can take the 1.25, move the decimal two places to the right, and that puts you back to 125. So understand the concepts of being able to do all the basic math, right? Remember that pi, for example, is 3.14, That's as far as you need to break it out for most exam applications, okay? So just remember those type of squaring of a number. When you see something like 10 squared, what does that mean? It's 10 times 10. What if I see 23 squared? It's 23 times 23. What if I see 24 squared? It's 24 times 24. That's what the square. So if I see something that says I squared times R, okay? Maybe I'm solving for an equation. Then I've got I, which is going to give you whatever the amps are. It's that value squared times whatever the resistance value is. Okay, and that usually was going to be in ohms. Maybe it's maybe it's 200 feet of, of conductor, and you went to chapter nine, table nine, and you got the ohms value for a thousand feet, and then you said, well, now I got the ohms. Now I need to to be able to say, well, okay, well, I've got this value for thousand feet. What am I going to do with it? Well, that's when you get into the simple, simple equations of saying, well, if that's the case, then I have to take whatever the ohms are divided by 1,000 so that I can get a per foot value. And then you take that per foot value times 200 feet, and then that's going to give you the ohms value that you're going to plug into your equation. Okay. So you have to understand all those little steps. And that's what exams try to do. They try to make you go over all of those little steps. Okay, don't let it overwhelm you. Okay, it doesn't need to overwhelm anybody. Okay, Uh, understand again how to to use basic concepts of the the power wheel. Make sure you understand how to use a power wheel. Um, Make a copy of power wheel. In Texas, for example, they give you a sheet that has that on there and some of the basic formulas. But again, if your state allows you to write in your code book The perfect place to write your formulas are up there in the front of the code book where we have the code panel members. There's a lot of empty space up there. Uh, Each page can be dedicated to a specific thing. One page for voltage drop, one page for box fill. Maybe put an example down of box fill that can jog your memory. Uh, All these type of things can be put up there. Uh, Remember how to solve things when you're dealing with parentheses. Sometimes you'll get questions like that. So, whenever you see numbers that are inside of a parenthesis, you need to complete that function that's in the parentheses before you move on to the rest of the problem. So, work from within and work your way out, okay? Those are the concepts that you need to focus on. Um, again, square rooting. Uh, usually, have that function on your phone, okay? So, you, you really only need to hit the square roots. For example, square root of three is 1.732. That'll be used a lot, on the exam, understanding that one point seven three two when you're dealing with three phase application, so just get used to using your square foot uh, square root function uh, that's on your uh, uh, calculator. You, you you're allowed to use a calculator. There's absolutely nothing wrong with utilizing the calculator. Okay, uh, a lot of people seem to think that you have to know how to do math in your head. I'm like no, no calculators are always available to me today does that make you a better electrician than me because you can do the math in your head and you're so skilled whatever whatever helps you sleep at night go for it for me i'll use a calculator it's available to me i'm going to use it all right so just make sure you kind of so the first step is again learn what your state allows then learn the basic math basic and there's free free online things for you to understand basic electrical math it's all on there free so i'm giving you an idea how to study Start learning some of these basic math. So, once you get the basic math concepts down, the basic formulas, basic functions, then you move on. The next thing you're going to do is you need to hone your skills on navigations. In other words, how to work through the NEC. So, there's some examples of that. So, down in the, when you see this podcast and you go over to YouTube, on there you're going to see some, some websites that you can go to. Uh, But I'm going to give you another example of what you can do. So you can go to the internet and you can simply, and we're going to do, I'm going to do it right here while you're listening. I'm going to do, let's see, free online, free online. Hold on, let me do it. Free online, if I could spell today. Free online NEC exam. uh, Let's do quick questions. Just do questions. Simple. And I do that. The first thing that pops up is what's called ElectricianExamPracticeTests.com. I mean, really. You click on that. All right. Now, whether or not these are updated to the 17 code, 14, it really doesn't matter. Think about what you're doing here. We're trying to move you through the code book. This is a free resource that is quite amazing that they put this together for free. There are literally dozens and dozens of tests on here from electrical theory to code questions to practice tests and covering all over the code. It doesn't matter whether or not they update it. In fact, I think the one online is based on the 214. That's fine. Don't sweat it. The concept is, I just want you to move through the questions. You need to get used to maneuvering through the NEC. So if I click it, and I get, here we go, exam question number one. It says, grounding type receptacles shall be used on which of the following branch circuits? And it says, none of the answers are correct. 15 amps, 20 amps, or both 15 and 20 amperes, right? So you have the example. Well, you and me both know that you have to use a grounding type receptacle on both 15 and 20 amps. So that's what you're gonna choose. But look at here, go look through the code book and try to find the answer. If I'm looking for the answer on that, then I know that the question is dealing with the receptacle. It's a grounded type receptacle. So a lot of these exam prep, we teach you, don't memorize the code, be able to look at the question and know where you need to be. So if I look at this question, I'm dealing in what? Grounded type receptacles, where do I need to be? in receptacles so i'm going to go be in 406 and when you do that you'll notice that you're going to be in 406.4a and that's going to talk about the grounding type receptacles so dissect the question that's the concept next question and i'm looking at them just as you will and you need to time yourself use your phone as a timer get used to timing yourself on the questions here's the next one it says flexible metal conduit fmc must be secured within blank of each box, cabinet, conduit, body, or other termination. All right? So we know that the question here is going to give you 18 inches, 12 inches, 15 inches, 6 inches. Well, we know 15 is not right. Nothing ever in our practicing have we seen ever be 15. You throw that out. You throw it out. Okay? Um, Well, we know that, that I've never really seen any application for 18 inches. I could throw that out. So it leads me to 12 inches and 6 inches. Well, I remember there's a lot of stuff to do with 6 inches and 12, and 12 tends to be what we get on a lot of different types of conduits. So in an exam, I'm going to migrate to 12 inches. But here's the thing. We're talking about flexible metal conduit. And we're talking about securing and supporting. So as you go through here, you'll realize that dot thirty of many of these chapter three wiring methods deals with securing and supporting. So that if you already know that you're going to be a flexible little conduit, then you know immediately to go to that tab that's in your code book, go to 348, and then you know to go to section 30, and that's going to deal with the securing component. And we know that the answer is going to be 12 inches. Right? Um, So that's the concept. You simply move through and try to find the answer okay that's the concept we're trying to to do is to move through and be able to, to see what it is example another question it says the internal combustion engines are used as a prime mover uh, on out uh, it prime mover it says an on-site fuel supply uh, must be provided for not less than blank of full demand operation of the system Okay. You have four hours, five hours, two hours, three hours. Well, what is the key component here is it's talking about a, we know that the code's not dealing with combustion engines, but what it is dealing with is it talks about a prime mover in here. And then it says on-site fuel supply. This tells me that this is going to be something that is up in the type of systems. It didn't mention anything about emergency. Uh, So, it's pulling me up to look at 700, 701, or 702. Okay? And so when I migrate toward this, then I'm looking at 701.12b2 and somewhere in that area, and I know the answer is two hours. But in reality, you had to get me there. So this might be one of those questions where it takes you a little bit longer to get there. But I'm dissecting. So when I get there, we can actually go in the code and look and see what the trigger might be. And in this case, Let's do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pull my code book. And if I'm doing this example, let's just say, and I don't know that was the exact answer because I haven't asked the question yet. I know from experience that it's two hours. But I'm going to get my code book here. And I'm going to look. And I I might start in 700. And I'm looking for the requirement. And I'm looking at the bold. So when I'm teaching to go through the exam, you're looking at the bold headings. And you're looking for something that stands out. Okay, That's what you're looking for. All right, so I go through this, and I'm looking at the bold headings uh, for the application, that requirements, um, and I move through, and let's see here. Battery source, internal combustion engines. Okay, so actually, I could find my answer in 700.12b2 because it says not less than two hours, prime mover. However, if I also go to 701, I can also go to 701.12 and see if it correlates. And I go to there, and I look and see here, Let's see what do we got here? Uh, and oh, what is the hour requirement? And it says 701.12b to generator internal combustion. So a key trigger for me was the con- con- uh, combustion engine, right? And prime mover. That's the questions about. So I found that answer also in 701.12b2. Again, it says two hours. All right. So, just for giggles, I might go over to 702 for optional and see if that's in here. Well, let's look because I'm going to give you a little secret. Here we're looking at it, and you'll notice that that has no place in here for that. Why? Because that's optional. So, clearly, when we're dealing with the prime mover and it's requiring for a certain no less than a certain number of hours then it is it going to be emergency or it's either going to be legally required it's not going to be an optional so you start to learn these things because there is no demand operation requirement for the optional it's optional so those are the type of things you go through and so in this case it didn't matter whether you went to 702 I mean excuse me 700 or 701 you're going to find the answer you're looking for the key things what is this question dealing with combustion engine prime mover that's the key and you always want to scour for an exam you want to scour the bold headings of each one of the sections to look for some trigger in your question another example here it says a flexible cord is permitted for an in-sync waste disposal if the cord length is no longer than and it gives you a six foot three foot two and a half foot or five foot okay so you get that answer to your question uh, or at least that's part of the question here all right so what what's the trigger here It's an in-sync waste disposal. We don't go to flexible cords. We're talking about the permitted use for the in-sync waste disposal, the garbage disposal. And we need a cord length requirement. So we know that we are firmly embedded in, in Article 422 because 422 is dealing with appliances. This is an appliance. So when you get to it on an exam, I always teach people also to do a scan. And that is when you get here, you need to look at each one of the, 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 each one of the sections very quickly and scan them to help you find the trigger to your question. The key root of this question is an in sync waste disposal. So I start looking at these bowls boom 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 boom. Um, all of a sudden I get to 422.16 flexible cords. That's a trigger. We're talking about flexible cords. Then I get down and it says right here, 422.16B, it says electrically operated in-sync waste disposal. All right, now I'm looking at the length. And you see here, flip it to the next page, you'll see the length of the cord shall not be less than 18 inches and not over 36 inches, which is three feet. So the answer is three feet, not six feet, not two and a half feet, not five feet. So you see, this is what we're doing here is it moves you through the National Electrical Code. That's what we're trying to do, okay? That's the key. So, there's a lot of free ones on there that you could be able to do this to. Um, like I said, one of the better ones is electric, electrician exam practice tests.com. I will make sure that I put that in the descriptions so that you know how to, to get to it. But that's not the only one. Okay, there's other ones down there. Okay, uh, there is electrical practice tests.com, uh, there's, there's a bunch of other ones that you can use. Um, so you just gotta search the internet. Utilize these free resources. You don't have to pay people. There's also someone on YouTube that are pretty decent. Now they might not be based on the 17 code, but really, who cares? The concept is, hey, you know what? If you start using that and you look at it, be be aware now that sometimes some of these questions are a little iffy. So it's less about the answer they give and more about you going through the exercise. That's the concept. I want to work you through the code. That's what we're trying to do is work you through the code. The more that you start flipping pages, the more that you get comfortable with with scanning the actual sections and and looking for keywords and looking for key triggers, the more comfortable you're going to be on the exam. And that's the kind of stuff that I teach because I'm not wanting you to remember it. I want you to remember the concept of how to move through the code, how it's laid out, how it functions, how to look at a question. When somebody asks me a question, I spend a lot of time dissecting their question, and I'll say, okay, what are you asking me? And I'll listen to their question, and sometimes I'll say, ask it again, and then maybe even ask it again. I'll say, can we write it down? Uh, it's not because I'm confused. It's because I want to make sure that we're. he's asking, because look. If he doesn't understand in his head or in her head the question she's asking, then the chances are they're going to ask me the question the same way that they're thinking it. And I need need to get to the root of what they're asking. And that's what experts do. We really do it. So we're trying to make you learn and think like an expert. Move through it. Look at these different things in the code. But there's great resources out there. You need to utilize them. They don't cost any money. You know, some of them you'll go to that'll have packages that you can pay for. That's fine. If you want to pay for them, that's it's just more exams. And, and you can do that. That's fine. Um, but there's a lot of... You should do all of the free ones that you can do. I'm serious. Every free one that you can do um, is is what you need to do. Okay? Just remember that. Okay. Do the do those questions over and over and over again until you really feel comfortable with maneuvering through the NEC. Take as many of those exams. So you know, if you want to prepare for an exam, I have so many people that contact me that say that say, "Look, I've been through the code or whatever." And I ask them, I said, "So, have you taken any practice tests?" I mean, I mean, literally a replication. Now, one of the things that our exam prep programs do offer is. Whether the courses itself or dry, because I don't write these. These are a third party. But the exam questions or the two practice tests that they give you during the process, they are really good. And that is a challenging exam. And there's over 600 questions. So that alone is worth it. Because you get to go through it and take that test over and over and over and over and over again until you're getting 90 plus. If you're getting 90 plus on those exams, then you're ready. You're ready at least for the knowledge portion of it okay so test take as many of these practice tests as you can do you need to be paying money for them absolutely not uh but you can if you want to buy some of the ones that are extensive questions and you really want to hone your skill and and it's you know it's not expensive to really make sure you're ready then go for it uh but there's a lot of them that are free and i encourage you to use the free stuff all right um a lot of the people that sell them are going to hate me for saying that but it is like and even i sell them But look, you can get them for free. It's no sense. All right. So the other thing is, you know, let's move on to the next component. So we talked about preparing for the exam and knowing what's on the, you know, knowing what you're allowed to do in your code book or not. We talked about moving through the navigation and the free stuff that's available. Next thing is, you know, is uh, what if you're, uh, we'll talk calculations, So you need to understand the basic calculations. You need to know how to do box fill. You need to spend time understanding box fill. You need to do raceway fill because there's always going to be questions on that. Uh, when it comes to calculations for single-family dwellings, multifamily, they're not going to go into so many levels, again, unless it's... I mean, if it's a standardized test like PSIs, you're, you're not going to get five levels of question. Okay, it's going to be maybe they want you to calculate the calculated load, the small appliance uh, application, or maybe, uh, maybe they just want to know what the actual general lighting and receptacle loads are, and you leave leaving off the small small appliance or even the laundry... You're leaving that all. all they want to know is what the, what is the small appliance uh, excuse me what is the actual uh general lighting and receptacle calculation and this is simple calculation maybe that's all they're asking so you need to understand how to do the different steps okay and then you need to understand how i'm going to apply things like small appliance whether it's a 1500 va per small appliance circuit uh, 1500 for laundry circuit, uh, and now in a 17 code, if there's a garage, then you have to have the garage circuit equation in there. Um, and uh, then the 1500 VA for that as well. Again, all in VA. I don't know what I just said, but all VA. Um, so you need to understand all of those concepts one piece at a time. Okay, so spend some time. That's why we offer plenty of free videos. We'll teach you how to do the dryer calculations because you'll get a dryer question. You will on exam. You'll get a range question, low hanging fruit. They want to know if you know how to use 220.55, the table. They want to know if you know how to use the notes that are associated with that table. Most notably, haha, you like that? One, two, and three is the most. If you're dealing with branch circuits, the, you know, they'll kick in the other note, but four. But really, it's going to be one, two, three when it's associated with this table. Um, you're going to need to know how to you know, understand that in your standard calculation, you take uh, the, the larger of the dr- of the heat versus the AC. Um, you need to understand the, the concept of what a continuous load is when you're dealing with the lighting when it comes to a non-residential or commercial uh, inst- institutional or industrial application. Uh, all those little components that are in 220, You need to understand how to apply each one of them. And we got videos and podcasts that go through that and and help explain all that. Okay, so it shouldn't be brain surgery. Just take your time. Go through it. Um, So you need to identify where your weakness is. But don't make this overly complicated because most of the time the exam just wants to know. Now I can tell you, that you will get questions on raceway, fill, and it's pretty simple to use chapter nine, tables four, tables five, tables eight, in order to be able to to do all that. Um, They are going to ask you a question on how to size the equipment grounding conductor, and again, that should be simple based on the size of the overcurrent protection that's ahead of the circuit. Um, They will ask you how to do some basic calculations on doing bonding jumpers. You just need to understand 250.102C and all the elements involved. We have a video on that. It's, it's pretty simple. It's, it really is. Um, you need to make sure that you look at a question and get rid of the stuff that's not necessarily to the question, okay? Because sometimes they'll throw a little sentence in there that'll make you go, oh my God, is that irrelevant? You need to be able to say that's not what they're asking. It's irrelevant. And just pew, get rid of it. Um, you know, for example, they might ask you, say that you have a 500 kVA at 240 volts transformer, Single phase, and it has an impedance of one percent. And they're going to say, "Well, how do you calculate the short circuit current for that?" Well, you got to know how to do a multiplier. So I take a hundred percent. So we're only talking impedance of one percent. I divide one hundred percent into one percent, or one divided into point zero one. Uh, and we learned how to do the decimal conversion to, in order to, to do that. All right? Okay. And so, at any rate, when you do that. You're going to end up being above the multiplier is 100. So if I do 500,000 divided by 240, that's 2,083. Then I do that times 100. Then that's going to give me a short circuit amps of of uh, 208,833. Okay, and that's what it is for that piece of equipment. So just understand the concepts, and you can work through anything. It's 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 not that difficult. Okay. All right. So taking an exam, let's talk about the wave method. Again, all calculations you just need to identify Uh, for motors. Just understand how to use 430.52, understand what short circuit uh, uh, and uh, ground fault and short circuit protection is uh and understand how to utilize that table based on the flc of the motors uh understand that you have tables in the motors that are 430.247 248 250 understand how those use that is the flc understand that when you're doing overloads you're in uh, 430.32 that's dealing with the nameplate just kind of get those basics down um and we have videos on motors Don't make this complicated. We've done the work for you. Just watch the videos. It will help you. Watch them multiple times. They're free. It's not costing you anything. Um, Just watch them. You'll get a better understanding. If you have any questions, email us, and we'll clarify for you. We love to clarify questions. Um, So go through all those, and it's really, really, really just that simple. Uh, And so now let's talk about the exam itself. So when you get there and you set for the exam, it depends on which state you're in, you might have what's called an all-inclusive exam or you might have a two-part exam. The all-inclusive means that it has calculations, questions spattered into the normal code knowledge questions. Uh, and then you'll have, like Texas, you'll have a two-part test. Don't freak out. The two-part test is actually a benefit even though there's a benefit for the single test. The two-part one says that you can pass the knowledge which is simply get used to looking things up, you'll have no problem. But then you have a separate one for the calculation and you have to pass both. But if you fail either one of them, you can take that that one again. You don't have to take both of them again. So relax, no stress there. If you have the all-inclusive test, then you need to learn to do something what we call in waves or in a fan format. And that is go through the test first time. Understand how to use the computer because you watch a little video on how to mark things so you can come back later. Get familiar with that. Don't start your exam until you're fully familiar with how the test the computer works now go through and answer all the ones that you just know you just look at it and you go i know the answer any of them that make you think over a minute you're going to still try to answer it but then you're going to mark it in the box but you're not going to spend more than a minute on it you're going to look at it and go god i think this is the answer I'm going to mark it and I'm going to tick the little little box that says marked for review later. And then you go to the next one. If it's a quick one, you answer it, answer it and go on to the next one. If it's a little question, you're like, oh my God, if you spent about a minute looking it up through the code and you still can't find it, answer what you think is the best possible answer and then mark it and then go to the next one. Move through them as fast as you can, not spending more than a minute on any question. Obviously, if you answer one with only in, within 10 seconds, you're building your amount of time up to be able to devote towards the calculation questions. Okay? So move through it, and then in the second wave, once you get to the end, the second wave, you're going to go back to all the ones that you marked. Again, you're, you're, you're going to skip all the calculations, you leave those unmarked at this, at this stage. You go through and you start answering the ones that took you a, a, a little over a minute. Okay? So you start answering those. If it took you more than two minutes, then you're going to keep that ticked marked off and you're going to go to the next question. And you're going to try to move through those and give yourself two minutes on all those. Okay? Then in the next wave, you're going to go back. Again, you're skipping calculation. Then you're going to go back on all those questions that took you over two minutes. And hopefully you have at least an educated guess at that point. But now as you start to go through those, you're going to want to give these calculation questions a little bit of consideration. But again, on the calculation ones, you're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them because you're going to use those in another wave. But you want to try to formulate an answer and at least mark it, even though you're going to mark, now you're going to mark those calculations to come back later. Okay? So then you go through all of them. Then in that last wave, you're going to look at all the questions that you've marked. You're going to double check the ones that you marked earlier, say, okay, that looks good. But now every question you get to at this point, you've answered at least all of them. Now you're going to spend that little extra time on your calculations. But here's something you need to remember. The reason when we're doing that one test and you've got so many waves is because you can pass the exam and not get a lot of the calculation questions right on, usually on those exams, and you're still going to be okay. It still holds true in a lot of those states. Okay? Now... When you're doing a two-part test and you're doing the the code version of the first part is the code lookup, then you might not need the fourth stage because you don't have the calculation equation. You go through and answer what you know. You mark the ones that spent more than a minute on. Then the second wave, you're going through and you're looking at those ones that you spent more than a minute on and you had marked. You're going to try to look at those and spend a little more time. If you get one that's more than a minute, you know another minute or t- takes you two minutes, then you keep it marked and you move to the next one spend another minute on that one, go through it, and then you can have a third wave where you're just going to, at least you answered all the questions and now you're spending a little more time on each one that you were really iffy about. You understand? In other words, you're doing it in waves. Now, when you get to the calculation, you do the exact same thing. Here, a lot of people can make the mistake in getting locked into a calculation and the next thing you know, you spent five minutes on this one. I don't want you to do that. Do that when you've got a time available. If you spend more than two minutes on a calculation, you need to mark it, go to the next one, okay? Keep on going through it, and then you come back and weigh. all right? You need to go through it, okay? Some of the calculations are going to be simple. They're going to look at you, and it's going to stick out like a, you're just going to say, I get it. It's just an Ohm's Law. Simple. Okay? Some of them are going to be a little more complicated. But move through them in waves again. So we call that wave format, a fan format, as you go through them, you know, you're fanning through them. But here's the key, don't stress it. Okay? You've got enough time. But you certainly, any that you leave blank and you run out of time, you're obviously getting those wrong. <laughs> obviously, you ran out of time. So do it in waves, use the computer to your benefit, mark it, market, mark so that you can come back later, answer what you know, move through it quickly. That first wave, you want to go through it fairly quickly because you know what, what it's also doing is allowing you to look at each question because as you start flipping through the code, you'd be surprised that you might stumble on something that answers one of those questions. Now you might think in your mind you're not remembering all these questions, but there's something about the mind that will help you remember and say, wait a minute, didn't I just read a question? Didn't I just read that? So you can, you might find an answer later on and when you go back through the second wave, then you can answer your question, okay? So that's called the wave format. Some people call it fanning, uh, whatever you want to call it, but you need to take it in waves. Again, don't stress. If you get to the first question and you're like, oh my God, this is a doozy, don't stress. Just mark it and go to the next one. Do not, but you want to do it in different waves. Okay, um, so utilize the online re- resources. Utilize our videos, they're free. There's other videos out there as well that are free. Tons of them. Now sometimes they're only, they might give you a video that's a little snippet of a five hour video, or whatever, that's fine. Just watch the little video. It might be just one little component that you need to learn something on. Maybe it's on voltage drop, or maybe it's on something else. That's fine. You're building your knowledge base. Again, utilize your free options out there, okay? Also, exam prep. Make sure that you highlight your book. Make sure that you, again, check with the guide with your state. Highlight things, okay? Highlight two different colors. I like to use yellow and a bright orange. I might highlight something, for example, if I'm looking at something in a question and it's talking about a percentage, I might highlight the percentage in orange, but I might highlight the title of the section in yellow or vice versa. Because your mind tends to pull you to those things that you highlighted. What I don't want to do is highlight the entire book. Okay? I want to highlight the key things that bring me to those aspects of it. Okay? Another thing that people do is when they do these online questions, they will highlight certain things when they find the answer to that question. Sometimes even answering the question wrong online is okay Because then it shows you the answer, it shows you how they got the answer, and it shows you the section to go to. If you go to that section, it doesn't hurt to highlight it, because what you're going to find is that most of us that write these exam questions have some inside knowledge of the exam, a little bit, of what kind of questions will be on it, and you never know, those highlights might be equate to one of the questions on an exam okay because everybody's trying to tailor their questions very close to what you might see on an exam so sometimes when you're doing those online exams those questions are good ones to to highlight okay Um, now if you go through an exam prep course like we have our online one we're going to tell you certain things to highlight because it's usually something that's going to be low-hanging fruit for an exam um but there's different ways to do it so Make sure you highlight it, but if you're not taking the exam prep course, that's a good way to start highlighting things in your codebook, is using the questions that you're encountering online to highlight it to help bring out. But don't highlight the entire section, just the part that answers the question. That's all, okay? So get used to doing that. Obviously, you want to tab your codebook. Again, make sure that you can have tabs uh, for your state testing allows you to tab your book. Uh, usually they don't allow any homemade type of tabs. They have to be commercially available tabs. Everybody makes them now. I don't find any one tab better than anybody else's. Uh, they really are just to help you get from point A to point B quicker without using the index or without using the contents, a table of contents. Uh, but again, don't forget the index can be your friend. A lot of times when you're looking at a question and I need to pull out something that I can go looking for the exact word If it's a branch circuit question, I can go right to branch circuits in the index, and then I can scan down and find something in that. For example, if it had something to do with fire alarm systems, and I go to branch circuits, then I can see that 760.41B and 760.121B has something specifically to do with the fire alarm systems, okay? So if I was doing that, and I was looking for the branch circuit rules, Then I would do that, and it would allow me to go straight to that area, and now I'm going to see branch circuit requirements in in the application, and that's where it requires it to be identified on a branch circuit for a fire alarm circuit. It has to have letters in red identification that says fire alarm circuit, okay? So that might be low-hanging fruit on an exam, so I might highlight that. Uh, because I don't care about everything else. I want to draw my attention to that. Now there might be something else on the page, but I think you get the point. It, there's a reason why that question was developed because it's probably a good question that people have seen on the exam. And I can guarantee you, most of the people that do the exam writing uh, for the preps, exam courses, uh, prep courses uh, probably have had a lot of experience writing exam questions and that's what they're writing them. and that's you should use that to help you highlight your codebook. So that's another tip. But again, use two different color highlighters, but make sure your exam uh, testing allows it. And to know if that does, don't take what anybody tells you, okay? Look, don't take what somebody tells you online. Don't take what I say. Don't go into your message board. Do not listen to other people, okay? Do it for yourself. Go to that state's licensing website or go to PSI and look up your state's guide and then get the guide. Download it. It's free. It will tell you. Do not listen to anybody else. Do not fall into that trap. Everybody tends to make up crap. Just do it yourself. You know, this is your license. This is your career. You need to take control of it. You're the one that's trying to take your game, and I'm proud that you're trying to take your game to the next level. You need to understand it. You need to go and ask somebody else, do they let me do this or do that? You need to learn what it takes, okay? Okay. All right, so that's your tips. Get a good night's sleep. Hey, let me tell you, if you have to stay up until 2 a.m. in the morning the night before the exam cramming, then you're not ready. You should be relaxed on that last day. You should say, I got this. Go in there positive. Now, what happens if you fail? That's okay. It's all right. Because now you'll get a printout that says where your weaknesses are. That's great. Because now you can focus on your weaknesses. Ultimately, it's going to make you a better electrician. There's a reason why they give you these printouts, okay? Now, understand that some people out there that say, look, you need to memorize it, uh, I'm not a big believer in that. I'm a believer in learning all the concepts of moving through the code. Uh, I'm not a believer in just memorizing the NEC and going in and passing a test. Um, sure it'll pass the test, and if that's what you feel you have to do, that's fine. If you want to pay three, four, five, six hundred dollars to do that, that's fine. But I think you could pay the same amount of money to take an extensive course. Like for example, we have a 12-week course where we go over all the aspects of the code. There's no way you can't pass an exam after you go through that intensive course. I I'm, I'm serious. But if you want to take a weekend course that simply does nothing but teaches you memory, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you need to get your license, but I'm all into making you a better electrician. And that's what our program is about. That's what the CMECP program is about, taking you to the next level, testing you on this knowledge, teaching you how to maneuver the code, forcing you to watch videos, making you take a test, making you have to answer questions in front of a review board. All those type of things are a process. That's what we're excited about. Um, Again, I can tell you what, the most proudest thing I ever did in my career was be a master electrician. And I'm a master electrician in multiple states. I love it. I love this industry, um, and I'm assuming you do too because you're listening to this podcast, and you want to take your game. You want to save money. You want to do the installations correctly. Uh, remember, passing exams have absolutely nothing to, to do with your hands-on knowledge. Okay, What the exams are doing is to making sure that you're understanding the minimum safety that's required to protect the to consumer. You understand the National Electrical Code. This is a minimum safety standard. We're not here to teach you how to twist a wire nut which is incidentally a trademark of ideal. We're not, it's a wire binding device. We're not here to teach you how to do that. We're not, okay? We're here to teach you how to use the NEC. We're teaching you here to how to take the anxiety out of maneuvering through this book. This book is amazing. All of the experts that are involved in this book in order to be able to add their two cents to it, it's always ever-changing. Uh, do you like, everybody like everything that's in the NEC? Absolutely not. But you got to respect it because it's in here. Now, if you don't like it and you don't get involved in changing the code, you don't get involved in submitting things, you know, people say, well, Paul, I'm too busy. You must have a lot of time on your hand and you're an idiot. You are. Sorry. Anybody can submit a code proposal, and now we call them public inputs. It costs you nothing. It's a free NFPA website account, and you can submit changes. If you believe it's substantiated change, then put it in there. But if you want to whine about it, then take it to somebody who wants to listen to you. I don't want to listen to you. My job is i got to enforce what's in this code, whether I like it or not. Okay, I've got to do it. Now, if the AHJ wants to see it a different way and they want to assume liability on it, that's fine. But I'm going to install it to the minimum standard of this book. Okay, That's what I'm going to do. Or to the best of my interpretation of this book. Okay, Now... If you want to go over and above it, that's perfectly fine. But this is a minimum standard. So when you get a license, that's all you're testing on is the minimum standard. I'm not trying to test you on you being a master electrician for 30 years. Okay? That knowledge is obtained from time. This is an entry-level test to get you to that license level. Then you're going to learn your skills. Okay? That's what it's all about. All right, anyway, that's kind of to give you an idea of testing what you need to do. I will put those links in there uh, to a good online test center to test yourself. Test, 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 take it over and over and over again. Take all the tests you can. Time yourself. Make sure that you're not spending uh, answer questions. Set your timer on uh, one minute. Try to answer that question within one minute. Go to the next question. Set your timer on your, on your phone for one minute again. Try to answer that question. Maybe the next time you go through the next one, try to set your timer for 30 seconds. See if you can't answer that question in 30 seconds. Test yourself. Test yourself. Put that stress on you. Okay? Anyway, I know you'll do it. I believe in you. That's why you're here. That's why I've trained thousands of people. They've watched all of my videos, thousands of hours worth of content. I know you can do it. I believe in you. God bless you. Until next time, stay safe, my friends. If you have any questions, visit our website, masterthenec.com or electricalcodeacademy.com. Go to our websites. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Twitter channel. You can get to all that from our website. Um, Share this with other people. Um, Don't be afraid to be a strong voice for helping others. Uh, That's what we've done for over 25 years, Uh, and I've been in the industry for over 30. Um, But I was one of the first to ever do anything online. All the way back when it was called a 1,000 Mics, uh, I was doing it, and I had people that were listening to my very complicated, bulky uploads of what we used to call podcasts, but they were, you know, and we used to do videos way back then. It was incredible. Now everything is a lot different. It's easier to do, uh, but you know, that whole effort has been to help you educate you. So until next time, folks, stay safe, never give up, and God bless. bright